Hello everyone and welcome to the One Man Renegade Podcast. I am your host, the Honorable Greg B, and this is Chapter 123. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. As it being Chapter 123, yes, this is uh, a 123 Kid podcast. I'm just going to talk about 123 Kid for the entire podcast. No, alright, I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is talk about a year, 1994, which actually, if you think about it, did feature one of the best 123 Kid matches of all time. Uh, he fought Brett the Hitman hard on an episode of Monday Night Raw for the WWE champ or WF Championship at the time. Uh, it's one of great match. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on the WWE Network, or I'm sure you can find it at other places. But regardless, that's not the point. Uh, but if you've been following along on my YouTube channel, which if you haven't, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go over to YouTube, uh, type in One Man Renegade Podcast. I'll bring up my channel, and you subscribe to it. You can watch the videos and like them and share them and hit the notification bell and all that grand fun stuff and help me put get my numbers up uh, and all that fun stuff. But to coincide with what I'm doing over there right now, when, if you haven't been over there recently, and again, you should go over there and check those out, those videos, I've been scrolling through the year 1994 and opening up some sports-related uh, cards, you know, baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, hockey cards. All the cards, opening them up, uh, on, on, and posting videos. So I've been going through 1994, and I'm still currently on the way through 1994, kind of getting towards the middle, sort of towards the end at this point, I guess. Uh, but go on over there and watch those videos and like them and share them if you show, should please, so, yeah, if you so choose, and please do. Um, but today on the podcast, to kind of correlate and coincide and cross over and whatever else uh with those videos i'm going to talk about 1994 i'm going to talk about the year in movies now i've teased this on a couple of my other video uh, uh podcasts rather and maybe on the video or two i don't remember but regardless uh yes i'm finally gonna do it i'm gonna do my top 10 movies from 1994 it was a tough one to choose just 10 i'll be honest and we'll talk about that as we go along um but in addition to that uh, I'm gonna mention some uh, some some movies that were notable from the time and maybe didn't quite make my list, but were notable for certain reasons or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'll come back next week with more of my normal nonsense that I do and talk about all the other nonsense going on. But today I'm focusing on taking a trip back in time, 26 years, the year 1994, and uh, talking about the movies of 1994. All right, so before we get started with the top 10 let's talk about some notable movies that uh happened to be released in 94 that didn't quite make the list some of them for good reason other than uh you know they just weren't quite good enough um but uh some other movies notable movies that were released in 1994 that again didn't make my list uh the new nightmare which uh was the uh kind of a reimagining of nightmare on elm street uh now when freddie had died he was dead freddie Freddy died. Freddy's dead. Uh, but uh, they were filming a new Freddy. They decided, ah, we're going to bring him back. We're going to film so it's like real-life people. It's the actors being real-life filming the movie, sort of. Uh, but then, in real life, Freddy Krueger... Like, and it was a different version of Freddy. It wasn't the Freddy that was the film version. It was a different version. He had different, uh, you know, claws or whatever, if I remember correctly. Uh... It was a, it was, it's not a bad Nightmare on Elm Street, it's not the best, but it's pretty good. Um, it definitely had a different twist on it, but 
Um, it didn't quite make my list. Uh, another movie came out, River Wild, solid movie with John C. Riley. Uh, before I think really people knew who John C. Riley was, I'm sure he'd been in stuff, but it was it's kind of one of the first movies I remember him being in. But John C. Riley, Kevin Bacon, Mer- Meryl Streep, uh, they uh, I forget like they're on a like Meryl Streep and her family are on like a rafting trip and they get lost or something, and then Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley are gonna help them, but. You know, they turn out to be not-so-nice people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, decent movie. Didn't quite make my list. Reality Bites uh, was also 94. Uh, ben Stiller along with uh, Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder. Uh, it was notable just because I remember it coming out. I was never a huge fan of it. Uh, but I want to make note of it. Uh, the Ref starring Dennis Leary. Solid movie, solid Christmassy time movie. Uh, if you've never seen it, he basically is this robber, and he goes to rob these people at a house, and then they're having a lot of family issues and and all sorts of chaos and nonsense breaks loose. And but then the family's coming over for Christmas, and he has to pretend to be part of the family. It's kind of a goofy movie, but it's not bad. If you like Dennis Leary, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Interview with a Vampire came out this year. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt, um, Kirsten Dunst. The movie itself was never that great, but it does feature on the soundtrack. Um, uh, uh, Guns N' Roses, in their last real release of a song in the original kind of Guns N' Roses uh, lineup or whatever, before Slash took off and and it all went to hell after that for Guns N' Roses. But uh, uh, they did the cover of um, Sympathy for a Devil, uh, uh, by the Rolling Stones song. Uh, solid. It's a decent song. Um, it it gets criticized from a lot of uh, um, you know, music critics of being a bit overproduced. But anything with Guns N' Roses is going to be a bit overproduced. And Slash was not too happy when uh, uh, Axel brought in his new buddy to play guitar after Gilby Clark left the band. And I'm blanking on his name right now. But he basically just like played the same thing as Slash did, like like after him. It was like mirroring Slash, and Slash was not too happy about it, and a bunch of nonsense happened, and it all broke loose. And it seems to happen a lot with bands of kind of breaking up over like soundtrack songs because it happened a couple years later with like the Van Halen like song for like Twister or something, if I remember correctly. There was like some fighting over recording that song or something, and then eventually. Sammy Hagar got tossed from the band. They brought back David Lee Roth for half a second, and then he got tossed. And but this isn't a Van Halen podcast, so let's move on. Uh, quiz show didn't quite make my list. Uh, it was a solid movie that a lot of people liked. Uh, it got nominated for best picture, but uh, didn't quite make my list. Uh, in the army now. Now we're getting into just notable stuff that came out in the army now. Um, <laughs> Paulie Shore, yes, Paulie Shore was. Still relevant in 1994. Surprise, surprise. But, uh, yeah, he had a... Um, also, House Party 3 came out in 1994. Just to put that in perspective. Yeah, they were still having house parties uh, in 1994. Um, Ed Wood. Tim Burton movie. Uh, with, guess who? Johnny Depp. Because I can't I can't remember. Was this the first movie that Burton Depp had done together? No. Edward Scissorhands was before this, right? Yeah, it must have been. So it would have been the second one, right? I want to say. Could be wrong about that. But any any event, I do remember uh, specifically a scene in this movie 
with George the Animal Steel. He was in the movie. Just saying. Uh, all right, moving on. I believe he was, right? Am I confusing movies? No, I'm pretty sure that was he was in Edwood. Uh, now I'm gonna have to look it up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it was, I don't know. Edwood's okay, I guess. Uh, but um, uh, let's see. So yeah, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I'm not gonna find it. But regardless, yes, George Animal Seal was Tor Johnson. That's right. He was in this movie. So. Anyways, um, other other notable movies that didn't quite make my list, uh, City Slickers 2, The Search for Curly's Gold, or Legend of Curly's Gold, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Cabin Boy. <laughs> Cabin Boy came out in 1994. Uh, well, if you've never seen Cabin Boy, I, I, yeah, you're better off. But, but, if you, for whatever reason... Want to spend an hour and a half of nonsense. Cabin Boy. Chris Elliott. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and watch Cabin Boy. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3 came out in 1994. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Murphy's uh, stock in 1994 wasn't quite there. He would, you know, obviously go on to do the uh, Nutty Professor movies shortly after this and kind of get kind of back. Uh, but kind of in a different genre. Genre? Genre? genre genre and way uh with people um you know the beverly hill cop kind of had gone the way said is this one did not nearly perform as well as the first previous two and was not well received as the previous two uh there's still rumblings and rumors about beverly hill cop 4 i don't know if it's ever gonna happen but it is what it is uh next up airheads which was probably I, I enjoyed Airheads, you know, not enough to make my top ten list, but it had a pretty decent soundtrack, if nothing else. So, there's that. Uh, now, this one's going to obviously, you know, divide the room a bit, but Lion King didn't make my top ten. I mean, 1994, let, let's let's be clear here. I was 12, uh, you know, so, like, I was a little bit too old, I think, for Lion King at that point. I would moved on to, you know different things at that time i guess you know uh, i don't know music and, and and cartoons weren't exactly in my wheelhouse necessarily lion king is fine it's a decent movie don't get me wrong uh another one that has a you know stellar soundtrack if you're a big fan of elton john or whatever but um for me yeah it just it never was my favorite disney film and it was a little bit i was kind of over the disney stuff at that point so it doesn't quite have the same you know, nostalgia for me that maybe it does for other people, but, um, yeah. Um, and, and before, and this next movie is on the list, uh, for reasons we'll talk about, but Wagons East, uh, so not because it's a good movie, because it's not really, but it's notable because it was John, the movie that John Candy was filming when he passed away. Uh, it wasn't the last John Candy movie to come out, however, because, uh, Canadian Bacon wouldn't come out until 95, but that had been filmed and was done prior to Wagon's East. And Wagon's East, he was actually still filming when he passed away um, in 93. Uh, and, uh, or no, 94, I'm sorry. 94. So, yeah, I don't know when he filmed Canadian Bacon. Yeah, he passed away in early 94, right? It was like February 94, March 94. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, because I remember 
Uh, he passed away the same day that Kurt Cobain went in a went into like a coma in Europe, and everyone was kind of like, "No, he just he he drank too much. He's fine. He'll be fine." Month and a half later, dead, kills himself. But whatever, you know. There was no, you know, no one was concerned or anything. I supposedly, I don't know. It, that whole thing was a mess. Regardless, I don't want to dwell on that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, but in addition to John Candy's last movie he filmed, um, there was another actor in 1994 whose last movie also came out that he filmed, um, and that would be Raul Julia, uh, and his last movie was Street Fighter. Now, there was a couple of different video game movies that came out in 1994. Uh, now, Street Fighter was the better of the two, um... And it was a bit more relevant of the two. And it's an okay movie. It's nothing amazing. It, it, it did okay as well. You had John claude Van Damme. You have, um, obviously, Raul, Junior, Ju, uh, Raul Julia. And also, uh, uh, the, um, the woman that played Chung Lee, whose name is escaping me right now, did the voice of Mulan. I know that. But is also better known, I guess, to me... As Agent May from um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which is coming back tonight, I believe, as I'm recording this. I'm recording it on a Wednesday. And I believe it returns tonight to start off its last season. But regardless, um, yeah, what's her name? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Ming Na Wen. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, anyways. But regardless of all that, it was a decent... Um, you know, video game movie, not, you know, it's, good video game movies are few and far between, to be quite honest, but, you know, it may have been a little bit past, you know, I guess the peak prime of Street Fighter, no, don't get me wrong, people still love Street Fighter, they play it all the time, they're still making new games, you know, uh, now and then, but as far as, like, the peak height of popularity uh, for Street Fighter, I would say it was probably on the downturn in 1994. You know, if they put this movie out in 92, 93, probably would have caught that, but obviously in 92, 93, that's when the popularity was booming, and then like, oh crap, we gotta make a movie now. And by the time it came out. Now, interesting to note that there was a video game based off this movie, but it played more like a Mortal Kombat game, ironically, than uh, a Street Fighter game. Uh, But the other video game that came, video game movie that came out this year, uh, in 1994, was well past its uh, peak um, uh, popularity. And and that was Double Dragon. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, Double Dragon was big in the arcades in like the late 80s and on the NES, and there was Double Dragon 2 and 3, but like by the time 1994 rolls around, now there probably was still Double Dragon uh, games coming out. Like Super Double Dragon was probably out around that time. I think there's like a Double Dragon like 5 that probably was out around this time, but it weren't the popularity of those games were nowhere near what the original Double Dragon or Double Dragon Two were. Uh, so by the time 1994 rolled around, it's like Double Dragon movie, really? When they should have been Mortal Kombat movie, probably, but that wouldn't come till the next year, um, or a Sonic movie, which again never didn't come around until this year. <laughs> wow, yeah, which actually is probably one of the better video game movies, uh, but given that it's you know, 2020, and Sonic the Hedgehog came out as opposed to, you know, 1994, when it probably would have been a little bit more relevant, um, 
but regardless, um, it's not a good movie. It stars uh, Scott Wolf, who had just started up, who's just starting to become relevant because Party of Five had just started um, a little bit before the movie came out. Now, it's it's interesting to note, in, in my mind, when you go back and Party of Five, it starred Scott Wolf and Matthew Fox. And it was also on Fox, so there was a lot of animals involved in this filming of this movie. Uh, also, Alyssa Milano was in Double Dragon. And um, the guy that played the other guy, because there's Billy and Jimmy, and Scott played, I want to say, Billy. Uh, but Jimmy was played by, and I'm going to mess this up because now I'm blanking on Mark DeCascos and you may not recognize that name he's been in a bunch of stuff but for, for he's like the the guy from like Iron Chef randomly like it's kind of bizarre he's in Iron Chef he's the guy from Iron Chef but yeah he was uh, <laughs> double dragon and it's not a good movie, but uh, yeah, it, it, I just wanted to note that that was uh, that also happened. Uh, so there you go. Uh, he played Jimmy. Uh, uh, what was her last name? Uh, Lee. Jimmy Lee. Billy Lee. Jimmy Lee. Yeah. So, anyways, moving on. <laughs> Another th- big kind of thing that was happening in 1994 was there was a lot of sports movies there was a lot of sports movies. there's a lot of baseball movies specifically which is crazy when you think about it because that was the year of the baseball strike now most of the baseball movies including agents of the outfield little big league and major league two had the fortunate um you know had the were fortunate enough to come out before the strike happened now, the last movie on this was The Scout, which, if you don't remember The Scout, it starred, uh, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name now, Brendan Fraser, there we go, and, um, Arliss, <laughs> who, his name, was name, the, that was the name I was trying to remember, uh, he played Arliss, didn't he play Arliss? Maybe, no, he wasn't Arliss, he was the other guy that wasn't Arliss. Wait, now I'm, now I'm confused. Now I'm confusing, guys. Who was the scout? Well, because Arliss was kind of... Kind of what the movie guy was. But that he didn't play Arliss. But his his character was kind of the same thing. Albert Brooks, right? Yeah, Albert Brooks. But he wasn't Arliss. Yeah, Ar- <laughs> Albert Brooks was in the scout. And it was kind of a similar character to Arliss. But he wasn't Arliss. Even though he kind of looks like the guy that played Arliss. And the guy that played Arliss... Which, by the way, if you want to go check out on HBO Max launch today, as I'm recording this as well. Uh, the guy that played Arliss um, is Robert Wool. Yeah, Robert Wool. Okay. Yeah, Robert Wool was Arliss. Albert Brooks was in The Scout. But it's kind of basically the same character. And they kind of are similar looking fellas. Yeah, just ignore everything I just said. Let's move on. <laughs> But also, the other sports weren't, uh, you know, were also uh, recognized with movies, uh, such as D2 The Mighty Ducks. Now, The Mighty Ducks also had the fortunate, uh, fortunately, it came out in, in the end of 93 94 season as opposed to coming out. Well, I guess it coincided with the Olympics, I guess, too, a little bit, too, because the Olympics were going on because it was that weird year where they changed the Olympic times and they that was 94 when the Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics happened. The Winter Olympics happened in 94. 
and then basketball was represented by Blue Chips, uh, of course, with um, Shaq and um, Anthony Hardaway, which was interesting because they were then on the Magic together. Uh, now, I mean, they had been playing on the Magic uh, prior to this movie coming out, but I'm pretty sure this movie was filmed before that happened. I could be wrong. It might have been... He might have already been drafted when they... Well, I'm assuming he was already drafted when they filmed it, but they hadn't actually played together yet, I don't think. Uh, but also Nick Nolte, obviously the main character. Um, Ed O'Neill, which we'll talk about in a minute, is also in this movie. Bob Cousy has a has some, uh, has a large role in this. Uh, but uh, speaking of Ed O'Neill, this wasn't the only uh, sports movie Ed O'Neill was in this year, as he was also in a football movie. Uh, he wasn't necessarily the star of the football movie, but he was a big part of the football movie. Uh, he played Rick Moranis's uh, kind of uh, bullyish brother. I think he was his brother, right? He must have been his brother. Uh, Rick Moranis obviously has the Giants in there. It's basically the football version of um, you know Mighty Ducks or you know Bad News Bears because that was the originator, really. Uh, but yeah, so football was represented. Now, also, football was represented in a different movie, which didn't quite ca- talk, catch my top ten either. It was definitely on the uh, on the list there, but uh, didn't quite get there. And maybe because in retrospect, uh, you know, it's got a little kind of eh, not so great stuff going on it in it. Um, uh, because it was Naked Gun thirty three and a third, which starred. Uh, I mean, Leslie Nielsen, obviously, but also Anna Nicole Smith, which is, yeah, uh, Fred Ward, who, um, and, um, oh yeah, who am I forgetting about? Oh yeah, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was in this movie, it was his last movie, obviously, he's ever done, uh, because I want to say, I don't, I'm trying to remember, or I'm gonna look it up, I don't remember when the date was that it came out, I feel like it came out like March or something like that, um, uh, blah blah blah. Um, let's see. Yeah, because I mean, obviously OJ had been in the previous uh two Naked Gun movies as well, so it wasn't like a huge deal that he was in the third one. But the fact of the matter is, this movie came out on March eighteenth, nineteen ninety four, and three months later, he's getting chased down the highway for the murders of his wife or his ex wife and uh, his her boyfriend at the time, or whatever the case was. Uh, and, you know, then would go on to have a crazy trial and be found not guilty and all that nonsense. But that didn't come until 95. But 94, obviously, the murders were committed only a few months after Naked Gun 33 and the third came out. The final insult, indeed. Um, but alright, let's move on to my top ten. Um, there's a couple of notable ones that didn't make my list, but I'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh... But there's one that just barely, I like, I literally have my list and I was like, oh wait, I got 11 movies in my list here. Uh, I gotta get rid of one. And so my, basically what be would be number 11 was Natural Born Killers. Uh, it came out on August 26, 1994 and made $11 million. I don't really have to go through all this stuff, but, um, since it's not on my list. But yeah, it, it did okay at the theaters. It was kind of, it was, uh bit very controversial based off of all the violence and stuff that was going on within it um you know given that it was uh oliver stone 
Um, you know, it was kind of, you know, obviously going to be a controversy movie just because Oliver Stone was a controversial uh, kind of director at the time. And there was, you know, lots of violence and, you know, obviously Nicky and Mallory, uh, Mickey and Mallory, sorry, not Nicky and Mallory, Mickey and Mallory, obviously were kind of that Bonnie and Clyde type of situation, uh, you know, kind of spurred up that kind of nonsense that was going on. But, um, you know, he wouldn't be the only director to get a lot of controversial things about the violence in their movies uh, this year. We'll get to that in a bit. Now, my number 10 movie is kind of... It probably doesn't deserve to be on a top 10 necessarily of 1994, but this, again, this is my top 10. And this movie kind of, you know, it's got a little bit of more sentimental value, I suppose, than anything else, just based off of the setting of the movie, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, But um, there was another sports movie, and I'm I'm going to, this does connect, so... Bear with me for a minute that I didn't mention a second ago. But there was another sports movie that came out in 1994, and I, it's you know sports kind of in quotations a bit, and that was the next Karate Kid. Now, this movie is one I don't necessarily want to ever talk about because it's not, you know, it, you know, you had the Karate Kid trilogy, which was great, and I loved it, and everything about that, you know, I mean. Granted, Karate Kid was amazing, Karate Kid 2 was, and Karate Kid 3 was whatever. But, you know, the next Karate Kid I don't even want to talk about, because a lot of people just kind of forget about it and don't don't think about it. Because there's no Daniel LaRusso, there was no Daniel Sun, there was no Ralph Macchio. They, Mr. Miyagi had moved on to some nonsense, and then had a new student, was played by Hilary Swank. They went with the female version, fine, you know, that tended to happen, uh... Uh, you know, that tends to happen with certain movies where they kind of reboot it and it's like, hey, just do whatever you did but with females or do whatever you did with black people or do whatever you did with, you know, insert some other sort of, you know, race. I don't know. It's never a good idea. It usually never works. So why they continue to try to do it, I don't know. But um, it is what it is. But in this case, yes. They did have uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi training a new student, Hilary Swank. Not good movie, but the one thing about it that kind of resonated with me was it was filmed in the Boston area, and there's lots of shots and scenes from the Boston area. But however, it was not the best movie filmed in Boston because that is my number 10. This movie came out July 1st, 1994, and that's important to the plot too. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, it made $10.4 million opening weekend, 30.1 uh, domestic. It didn't, I, the worldwide numbers weren't available. I don't know if it wasn't released worldwide or just they're not available. Uh, only got a 32 on Rotten Tomato. For some reason, it doesn't have a Metacritic score. It's got a 6.2 on IMDb. It had a B on CinemaScore. I did not see it in theaters. And it is blown away. Um, I'm not familiar with Blown Away. Uh, there's probably a reason for that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, uh, Jeff Bridges, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Bridges were kind of like these Irish, um, IRA type guys that, um, have a huge backstory and history and it's all clouded in mystery and, and whatnot. And, and, uh, now Jeff Bridges in Boston, he's playing like a cop and, um, all of a sudden there's these bombs getting, getting blown up and. He's kind of on the bomb squad or whatever. 
and Forrest Whitaker is involved, and Cuba Gooding Jr. for no apparent reason is in one scene. Um, <laughs> it's weird, yeah, go watch the movie. Cuba Gooding Jr. is in this one scene for no reason out of nowhere. It's like, hey, it's Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's set in Boston, but given that it came out on July 1st, there's a huge p- point in the movie uh, that involves the Esplanade and then the whole... Uh, fireworks and the pops, Boston Pop. Now, it's funny because last time, well, I don't know if it was last time I watched this movie, but one of the more recent times I watched this movie, um, I just seen Ted. Literally just watched Ted. And there's a scene at the Esplanade, the hatch shell, in Ted. And then, you know, turned it off, and then this happened to be on HBO or whatever channel it was. I was like, I started watching, and I was like, Hey, wait, there's a there's a scene from the hat shell in this movie, too. That's really weird. And then I looked it up to see, like, how many films have had scenes at the hat shell? And outside of, like, some independent, random independent film, th- those were the only two films that ever had films shot at the hat shell. And there might be more since then. I don't know for sure. But certainly at the time, those were the only two movies that had movies, uh, had scenes filmed at the hat shell, which was weird. But given that it came out July 1st, it coincided with the whole 4th of July thing. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, lots of good music in this movie. Lots of U2 uh, involved in this movie um, because they're Irish. Some terrible accents, though. So if you're interested in some terrible Irish accents, uh, yes. But I don't know. I thought this movie was pretty good. It gets a bad rap. Um, and it didn't perform because it didn't perform really well. And a lot, of, a lot of people don't necessarily remember it. And part of the reason because of that is something we're in another different movie we'll talk about in a little bit. But alright, let's move on to number 9. Uh, this movie came out August 5th. Uh, it made $20.3 million opening weekend, $122 domestic, $215 million worldwide. It's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 79, uh, Metacritic 74, IMDb of 6.9, it got an A. The cinema score, and this one I actually did see in theaters, and it is clear and present danger. Uh, now, it's a Paramount movie. I didn't mention that. Uh, Blown away is MGM. I should probably mention that. Um, but um, so the thing about this movie, and it was a good movie, and it did well, and people liked it, and everything. And it's kind of like you go back and think about it, and it kind of doesn't have a lot of, you know, it doesn't resonate with a lot of people. Uh, kind of in the same way that other some other movies on this list do. And I think part of the reasoning behind that was it's Harrison Ford, but it's the second time he played Jack Ryan, and he's the only one that I know that has ever played Jack Ryan twice in a movie, I believe, because obviously Alec Baldwin played him, and then um, Harrison Ford played him twice, but then, um, you know, uh, ben Affleck played him. Chris Pine has played him. Jack, obviously, um, uh, John Krasinski is playing him right now in the television show on Amazon. But um, you know, I think probably one of the bigger issues here is it's again the se- the second movie he did as Jack Ryan. So Patriot Games. Not that necessarily I think Patriots Games was a better movie, but it was the first one. But also, this is 1994. This so this is the year coming off of the fugitive which is a great movie and definitely better than clear and present danger in my mind and it's, it's a fantastic movie so when you think of harrison ford in that kind of time frame you're thinking fugitive you're not thinking clear and present danger not to say there's anything wrong with clear and present danger i thought it was a great movie i saw it in theaters and it's number nine on the list so there you go moving on number eight uh 
this is a Miramax film. Came out October nineteenth, uh, nineteen ninety-four. Obviously, uh, it only made thirty-one point six thousand dollars opening weekend because it was a limited release, um, and then made went only went on to make three point one million in, at the box office. Again, rem- limited release. This this movie really had more of a kind of a cultish following later on home video and stuff. But you know, it came out in theaters this year. Eighty-eight percent on Rotten Tomato. Seven. The Metacritic 7.79 DB. It doesn't have a cinema score because it didn't have a wide release. I did not see it in theaters. And it is Clerks. Um, yeah, so Clerks, uh, Kevin Smith's uh, debut film uh, that was put together for not very much money. <laughs> uh, he funded it himself and then eventually got picked up by Merrimax after it was in some festivals and whatnot. And then got a larger release. Not like a full release, but a larger release. And then did very well later on in... Um, uh, on home video and stuff like that, and kind of had a cultish, more of a cultish following. Uh, but I mean, Kevin Smith has gone on to do lots of movies since then, so it's not as if like this is one and done situation. But you know, it was kind of one of those weird movies. It's got a good soundtrack. Um, I'm sure that was a- a- added later with the Miramax money for sure. Uh, but um, you know, it, it's got some weird camera stuff going on. It's in black and white. And uh, Kevin Smith has said multiple times it wasn't in black and white because it was trying to make an artist, artistic, like, kind of, um, you know, he wasn't trying to make an artistic, uh, you know, statement or nothing like that. It wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't doing a Schindler's List type of situation or anything like that. Or the artist that would come later where they were in black and white. You know, he was just, couldn't afford the film color film now it's funny when you think about you know back in 1992 or three or whenever he was filming it and when it came out in 94 uh and think to yourself okay yeah you know obviously yeah black and white is probably cheaper back then by today's standards i think black and white is probably more expensive these days than than color would be i mean anyone with a iphone can film a video but then to do black and white i don't know it might be tougher just because like if you wanted to look okay i don't know i just remember like I don't know, maybe it's just more the film. Digital, it might not matter. But whatever, regardless. Clerks, great movie. Um, um, you know, number eight on my list. Uh, you know, kind of, it, it kicked off the skew, view askew universe, which was a universal thing before the MCU or DCEU or any of that stuff came along. Uh, he was doing the universes way back then. Uh, but yeah, definitely solid film. Um kind of changed up the way films were made a little bit. I mean, in the sense that anyone can kind of make a film. Now, he obviously kind of uh, gives a lot of credit to the movie Slacker, which kind of inspired him to make the movie. But, like, you know, at the same time, it's like, yeah, a lot of guys around that time were starting to do their own type of thing, making their own sort of movies on their own. You know, that led to other things. But, like, he, he was one of the bigger guys to get, that kind of deal and get notoriety for it, uh, which would later on, you know, other guys kind of similar things and stuff. But certainly door opening. I mean, Miramax was obviously one of the, you know, kind of bigger, bigger uh, proponents of that. Speaking of which, as we move on to number seven on my list, this is another Miramax film. Uh, It was released uh, on May 13th, which I, Guessing was a Friday? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Friday the 13th, 1994. Or May May the 13th, 1994. 
I'm going to check that out. It might have been a Wednesday. You know, for some reason, films come out on Wednesdays for no apparent reason. A 1994 calendar. Let's see. Was the 13th of May a uh, Friday? Not that it matters, but there was a... Because there was no Friday the 13th movie that came out in 94, so I guess it really wouldn't have mattered. But, um, yeah, it was a Friday. So Friday the 13th. Um... Not really sure why I spent the time to do that, but fine. Uh, this made uh, $11.7 million opening weekend, $50.6 million, 50. million uh, w- domestic. It didn't have a worldwide number, so I'm not sure if it just didn't get released worldwide. It weren't available. It's got 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, 71 Metacritic, 7.6 IMDb. doesn't have a cinema score for some reason. I don't know. I mean, seems like that was a wide release. It made $11 million. I did not see it in theaters, but I did own the soundtrack for sure because it was a really good soundtrack, and that is The Crow. Um, obviously, lots of controversy with this movie too. Um, not so much necessarily because of the content, although you know it's a kind of a dark film. Don't get it twisted, um, but because Brandon Lee was the star of the, star of the film, uh, got killed in the filming um, when a prop gun. For whatever reason, was actually loaded with a real was a real gun. We had a bullet and um, shot him, and he unfortunately passed away due to the wounds while they were filming the movie. Um, they uh, obviously had to go and finish up the film with some body doubles and some camera tricks and stuff to you know finish it off. Now, you know, I previously mentioned Raul Julia and John Candy were you know who had their last films uh, released in 94, or their last movies that they filmed released in 94 again. Um, now, I didn't mention Brandon Lee because I wanted to save it until uh, the list, but he's another one that unfortunately, uh, you know, had a had the uh, unfortunate, uh, um, you know, accident and uh, passed away during the filming of this movie and obviously would not go on to make any other films as this was his last film. Uh, but no, it's a solid movie. If you've never seen it, it's based off a comic book of the same name. I don't remember who did the comic. It wasn't like DC or Marvel, I don't, I'm pretty sure, but, um, uh, I'm, you know, I, you know, I should, I should remember, but there was definitely the comic book, um, element to it, uh. James O'Barr's comic book, The Crow. It was released on I Image Image Comics. Okay. Oh, they did it at some point. I don't know. So Image was his own thing. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Regardless. Uh, definitely a great movie. If you've never seen it, it's got a great soundtrack. Um, which maybe you'll hear a song or two from this from that soundtrack on the, you know, on the intro or outro of this uh, podcast. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, but anyways, yeah, definitely a good movie. Brendan Lee, obviously, uh, it's got Ernie Hudson, uh, some other random that oh that guy type of guys in the movie as well. But definitely a good movie, solid movie. If you've never seen it, go check it out now. To be to be forewarned, they don't. Didn't use the film, the footage of him actually getting shot. Um, you can, there is the scene where you can kind of tell, okay, this was the scene they were filming when it happened, but um, they obviously don't use the actual footage of when he got shot. That would be uh, not very, not very good. Um, 
But all right, moving on. Uh, number f- uh, where are we at? Number six. Sorry, number six. A Fox film came out July fifteenth. Uh, made twenty five point eight million dollars opening weekend. One hundred forty six point two domestic. Three hundred seventy eight point eight worldwide. It's got a seventy percent Rotten Tomatoes. Sixty three Metacritic. Seven point two in the IMDb. It got an A. And the cinema score I did not see in theaters. The only movie I saw in theaters was Clear and Present Danger. Um, at least that I can remember. Uh, but this one is True Lies. Now, Arnold Schwarzenegger was coming off of Last Action Hero, which I did see in the theaters uh, from the previous year, which did not do well. Um, although I really loved Last Action Hero. I don't know. I think it's it's a, it's a uh, uh, drastically underrated film. Now, it came out poor timing of when it came out in the theaters. Unfortunately, became it because it had the unfortunate duty of coming out the week after Jurassic Park came out. And once Jurassic Park came out in '93, yeah, nothing was making any other money. No, no other movies were making any money, any money that summer. So you know, but it was kind of seen as a flop. Um, so here he is with this follow-up. He's got to do something big, and he definitely rebounded with True Lies. He went back with an R-rated film, which made sense at the time, I guess. Um, you know, that hasn't worked so well in the recent memory for certain films doing R-rated, or going back to R-rated, after having done PG-13 stuff. Although, you know, not that the PG-13 versions of a lot of those films were any good, but regardless. Um, yes, uh, True Lies. I mean, obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, coming back, hitting his stride. You had uh, Tom Arnold, of all people, making a big, uh, big impression on people. Uh, Bill Pullman may rest in no Bill Paxton, excuse me. <laughs> wow, I did it. Bill Paxton may rest in peace. Pete his pants. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, um, in this movie as well, and Eliza Dushku playing his daughter. Uh, I don't know if this was her. Was it her theatrical debut? I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, obviously she plays a big part in the movie, and Tia Carrera. Coming off the Wayne's World three, <laughs> um, uh, you know, doing uh, doing uh, you know, the thing, the dancing scene and whatnot, it was pretty memorable. Now I'm trying to think. All right, so Elijah Dushku, was this her date film debut? Um, it was not. She was in the This Boy's Life and something called That Night before that. But regardless, it's probably the, her biggest. Kind of a breakthrough um, on screen, as it were, um, before she would go on to do lots of stuff uh, in her career. But uh, yeah, solid film. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger being, you know, peak, peak ish Arnold. Um, I wouldn't say it was peak Arnold, I would say that's Terminator 2, but you know, still, you know, still very valuable, very, very sought after, very highly regarded in box office gold uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1994. Certainly, um, solid movie. If you've never seen it, go check it out. The whole the scene with the horse is pretty memorable as well. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen it, you need to go check out um, True Lies. All right, moving on. Uh, number five, we have another Miramax film. Uh, this one came out on October fourteenth. It made nine point three million dollars opening weekend. Go and make one hundred seven point nine million. Domestic and 214 worldwide. It's got a 91% Rotten Tomato, 94 Metacritic, 8.9 on the IMDb, and it got a B plus on the Cinema Score. Uh, it is Pulp Fiction, yes. Uh, 
Quentin Tarantino's second film. Uh, and again, as I mentioned with Oliver Stone, uh, yes, there was some controversy certainly with this film with the violence and and uh, you know content, or as you will. Obviously, the scene with the uh, gimp uh, is certainly up there in terms of the violence. Uh, and, uh, look, obviously people getting shot in the head, you know, and blood and guts going all over the place, certainly fairly violent as well. Um, Marvin, Marvin got shot in the head. Um, uh, you know, but definitely a very memorable movie. Now it's, it's got its, you know, it's got its, you know, issues. Uh, a lot of people didn't enjoy the fact, or weren't huge fans of the fact that it wasn't in order. Which is something Tarantino has obviously been known to do. Um, you know, the film's out of order. What's in the briefcase? We never. It's never really defined. It's you know, it's it's kind of a weird movie in that it's not necessarily, you know, obviously everything is kind of linked together, you know, in some way, shape, or form. But it's almost almost more like a skits, more so than it is like a full movie. Like it's kind of like, all right, here's this skit with these guys. Here's this skit with these guys. Here's this skit with these guys, and it's kind of it accumulates. But it's like it's not in any order. It's you know, here's here's him doing this, but then he's doing this. It's like you figure it out. So it's kind of a bit weird, you know. But it was a different kind of film style, uh, different kind of uh, you know. It was new. It was different. It was you know, Quentin Tarantino's breakout. Obviously, Reservoir Dogs, great movie, had come out prior to this. But in terms of commercial success and whatnot, um, obviously it was a real. Uh, nominated uh, for the uh, Best Picture, did not win, uh, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, solid, solid movie, Quentin Tarantino's Breakout, uh, great film, if you've never seen it. Um, lots of memorable lines and and stuff from this, this movie. John Travolta's comeback, if you will, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, grand scheme of things is acting. I mean, you know, he's still acting, obviously, and doing films and stuff. He did all those look who's talking films, but you know, this was his kind of breakout back to like the mainstream, um, you know, viable leaning man type of thing, as opposed to a second fiddle in a in a dog talking movie or a baby talking movie. Or they didn't even talk; they were dog and babies thinking, and you could hear their thoughts. Movies, whatever. But enough of that. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number four, it's a Fox movie. Came out June tenth, nineteen ninety four. Now remember June tenth because that that plays into something I talked about earlier, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Made fourteen point four million dollars opening weekend. Went on to make one hundred twenty one point two million domestic, three hundred fifty million worldwide. It's got a ninety four Rotten Tomato, seventy eight Metacritic, seven point two IMDb, and got an A Cinema Score. And that is Speed. Um, so yes, the bus movie <laughs> with uh, Keanu Reeves, obviously Dennis Hopper, Jeff Daniels, and Sandra Bullock, uh, and Alan Ruck as well. Don't forget about Alan Ruck. And uh, Joe, I want to say Joe Morgan, but it's definitely not Joe Morgan. Joe, I can't, nah, I'm going to blank on his name. Sorry, Joe. He played like the other cop guy that is trying to help them uh, get off the bus and whatever. Uh, Joe, Joe... Ah, come on. It's going to drive me nuts now. I have to look it up. Um, Joe Morton. Joe Morton. There it is. I knew I knew it was Joe. I knew it was Joe. But anyways, uh, yes, yeah, Speed. Great movie. But here's why I bring up the date on this movie. Uh, it came out June 10th. 
Blown Away came out July 1st. Now, these movies, now not exactly the same plot, but it's got a cop trying to stop a guy from blowing up a bunch of stuff. Kind of similar. I mean, there's no bus that has to stay above 50 miles an hour type of situation. Uh, so, right, it's not exactly the same, but, um, you know, there's more to Blown Away with the backstory of Tommy Lee Jones and, and, um, and, uh, Jeff Bridges' characters, but granted, they just... Now, I'm not going to say Jeff... I'm not going to say Blown Away is a better movie than Speed. Not my point. My point is, if Blown Away had come out before Speed, might be having a different conversation here, just in terms of the grand scheme of the the memory, you know, the how well the movies did, and kind of the, you know, memory of those films in terms of the, you know, grand uh, uh, perception of the films. Now, people love Speed, based off these numbers, and how it performed... And not so much Blown Away. Had Blown Away come out before Speed, I'm just wondering what would happen. I'm not saying it would have changed much. I don't know. Uh, Speed, I do think, is the better movie. But they're very similar. Um, You know, so... And, you know, obviously... The Boston Ties with Blown Away is, you know, kind of... Only real reason it was even on my list, per se. But, like, it'd be interesting to see if they had reversed that. If, If Blown Away comes out middle of June... And Speed doesn't come out till July. What happens? I don't know. Because, I mean, Blown Away did have a decent opening weekend. It's not like it did terrible opening weekend. It just didn't have a lot of staying power. Probably because people saw it and was like, Wait, was there another movie that was like this but had a bus? Oh, yeah, Speed. I'll go see Speed then. Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. You know, and uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, Speed's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Keanu Reeves. He's great in this. Um, Dennis Hopper is amazing in this. Uh, even Jeff Daniels is great. Not his best movie of this year, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you know, Keanu, uh, sorry, Sandra Bullock. You know, kind of having her, you know, her breakout. Obviously, she was in Demolition Man prior to this, so she'd already done sort of the action film type of thing. But this kind of put her more so as a leading role, I said, as, I guess, I don't know, but, um, you know, certainly put her more on the map, I guess, but, uh, great movie, um, again, very memorable, lots of memorable scenes, lots of memorable, you know, lines, uh, pop, hot, <laughs> you know, pop quiz, hot shot, like, there's a bus, blah, 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 and all, you know, all that stuff, definitely great movie, uh, you know, definitely recommend it if you've never seen Speed for whatever reason, uh, you know, obviously Keanu Reeves, I forget, was he coming off of Johnny Mnemonic, or was that after this? I'm trying to remember what, what, you know, obviously it, it was years after, you know, a few years after Bill and Ted, but what, what was his previous movie that he was coming, you know, he'd had, I think Johnny Mnemonic was after, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, I'll have to look it up. Uh, obviously, you know, Keanu Reeves is going to have a great career. You know, he's done the Matrix movies, the John Wick movies. He keeps on reinventing himself, and I can't say I blame him. Obviously, he had Point Break also, also you know, prior to this. Um, but, yeah. Um, hmm. Let's see. Prior to Speed, yeah, he didn't really have much going on. He did Dracula a couple years before that, but then he was in... Th- he was... He was uncredited... In Freaked, which was uh, what's his face's movie, uh, Ted's or Bill's movie, uh, that he you know, he's uncredited in that. Did something called Even Cowboys, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, and then Little Buddha. I don't even know what these are. And then bam, Speed. 
Um, and then did Johnny Mnemonic after that. And then he went on to do a whole bunch of stuff, which, you know, some good, some bad, and then obviously The Matrix, and we're off to the races. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, he was kind of in a bit of a lull, I guess, and then, boom, there it is, uh, Speed. And, you know, obviously put him right back on the map there. And it's a great movie. Uh, Keanu, Speed, Dennis Hopper, rest in peace. Um, but, yeah. Moving on. All right, so number three, uh, the highest grossing movie of the year. came. His Paramount movie came out July 6th. Uh, $24.4 million opening weekend. Went on to make $329 million uh, domestic, which at the time in 1994 was the leader. Uh, it, on, it did $677 uh, million. Or that 329 might not be accurate, but it was something along those lines. And uh, 677 worldwide. 70% Rotten Tomato, 82 Metacritic, 8.8, IMDb, A+, CinemaScore, and had a great soundtrack, Forrest Gump. Uh, Now, I say it was the highest grossing movie of the year at the time. It is not any longer if you go back and look at the record books because little, little... Lion King would go on to have a couple of different re-releases, and ultimately it has more. It's made more than uh, Forrest Gump um, in the theaters. Yeah, I mean that's debatable. You could debate that all day because of you know re-release. The re-releases should re-releases count. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, in terms of in the year 1994, Forrest Gump was the highest-grossing movie of the year. Forrest Gump, I don't really know what I can say about this movie that has never been said. I mean, it's a great movie. Tom Hanks, a great performance. I mean, there's a lot of kind of retroactive, like, not love for this movie for some reasons. Some of it doesn't hold up so great, to be honest. Um, but for me, I, it, it for me it does. I can still sit down and watch this movie, uh, you know, any day and watch it the whole time. It doesn't matter. You throw it on. Tom Hanks is great. Now, I mean, I think a lot of the kind of uh, retroactive um, hate, not hate, I shouldn't say hate, but retroactive criticism of this movie is that it won the um, best picture. And a lot of people point to other movies such as you know, Pulp Fiction and another movie we'll talk about in a minute, even maybe Quiz Show. Now, now to, yeah, that maybe it didn't maybe deserve it. Um, Tom Hanks obviously won, you know, Best Actor. Um, maybe there's some criticism there. I don't know. Robert Zemeckis did Best Director. You know, there's obviously Tarantino fans that feel like he probably should have won. Maybe Rob, you know, maybe there's some people for Quiz Show and Robert Redford. I don't know. But, um, in any event, um, Forrest Gump also got the uh, Best uh, Screenplay. Um. You know, for me, it's a great movie. It's not my number one, but it is a great movie, and I I love it. And it's got a great soundtrack. Um, you know, you got you got uh, Haley Joel Osment as Forrest Gump Jr. Uh, I I gotta imagine that that was his uh, his big screen debut was Forrest Gump uh, Jr. But I'll, I'll look it up. Um, obviously. Uh, um, Great performances by uh, uh, what was that? Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> something going on outside. Uh, great performances by um, um, Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan, and uh, 
what's her face got uh, Ro- uh, Robin Wright got kind of um, shafted in the uh, actress category. Wasn't even nominated, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I, I really don't know what else to say. I mean, it's a great movie, Lieutenant Dan. It's got plenty of notable notable quotes. I mean. I mean, they have bubblegum shrimp company is a thing now because of this movie and stuff. So, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Don't get me started. It's the edited version they aired on TV. It was like, it happens. What? It? Sometimes it happens. It's like that you lose the, there's some, there's some loss in translation there on the joke. But, um, oh yeah, uh, Haley Joel Osment. Uh, was that his on-screen debut? I feel like it was. Obviously, you go on to do um, uh, Sixth Sense um, a few years later, as uh, among other things. AI, of course, was one of his bigger movies as well. Um, if I could spell his name right, I might be able to figure this out, but I can't, so it's not happening. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, on the fly. I just actually watched he was in Silicon Valley. He was pretty funny in that. Uh, he didn't look anything like he did back in in uh, in the uh, uh, Haley Joel, uh, the Sixth Sense days, I should say. So his first uh, credit is something called Lies of the Heart, the story of Laurie Kellogg, which was a TV movie. But then Forrest Gump Jr. in Forrest Gump was his big screen debut. And he obviously did a whole bunch of other stuff since then. Uh, but Sixth Sense was when he be, kind of become... Um, you know, better known. He was the kid in the Jeff Foxworthy show, if no one remembers that, which I don't blame you for not remembering it. I do remember watching it. He was also uh, Avery Brown and Murphy Brown. People probably don't remember that, but uh, yeah, he did a lot of stuff. He did a lot of stuff uh, before Sixth Sense, uh, but uh, obviously Forrest Gump Jr. But there you go. Yeah, Forrest Gump. I mean, it's number three on my list, so what's 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 above Forrest Gump? I you know, sing the praises of it. But uh, number two, New Line Cinema film uh, came out December sixteenth. Made sixteen point three million dollars opening weekend. Went on to make one hundred twenty-seven million domestic, two hundred forty-seven worldwide. It's got a sixty percent Rotten Tomato, forty-one Metacritic, seven point three IMDb. So not in a B cinema score. So it didn't get the greatest reviews. But whatever. It's one of the most quotable movies of all time. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. It is dumb and dumber. Now, you will notice, and I saved this for now, I did mention Speed, Jeff Bridges. This, So, yes, I thought Jeff Bridges was better in Dumb and Dumber, or his the movie was better, Dumb and Dumber than Speed. But I didn't mention Ace Ventura or The Mask because I wanted to save it because while Ace Ventura and The Mask were definitely solid movies from that year and did very well, it was a hell of a year for Jim Carrey. He finished up on um, In Living Color, Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. I just feel like Dumb and Dumber is the better of the three. I don't think there's any argument here. And I just don't feel like those other two hold up as well as Dumb and Dumber. I mean, if you watched Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber right now, um, you know, Dumb and Dumber is by far and away A, the best, and B, holds up as well. You know, I feel like Ace Ventura is, at the time, you know, he was coming off in Love and Color. He was the goofy guy from Love and Color. It worked at the time. But you go back and watch that movie now, it's a little, it's a little eh. You know, it's a little eh. I mean, it's still, it's still good. It's still good. 
and obviously nostalgia probably weighs out in anything else, but like if you sat some a kid down to watch that movie today, or you know, someone that maybe never watched it or whatever the case may be, and it's like, here's Ace Ventura, this was Jim Carrey's first, you know, uh starring movie. Well, second I guess. Uh, Once Bitten was technically I guess he starred that. But mainstream movie, I should say. Big mainstream movie. This is his first big mainstream movie. Um I think I think it wouldn't care. I wouldn't. It wouldn't. I don't think it holds up. Uh, the mask similar. I, I just it doesn't quite hold up. Um, you know, and obviously with the mask, you're working with previous material. Obviously, it was a comic book before it was a movie. But Dumb and Dumber, you know, I th- it holds up. You know, it just works. Still works. You can still do that movie. It still works. You know, and given the success of the Fairly Brothers, still. You know, I feel like it just works. It's just the it's it's an amazing movie. I was watching it the other day. You know, anytime it comes on, similar to Forrest Gump, I'll I'll watch the hell out of that movie. Um, whenever it shows up on TBS or Comedy Central or whatever the case may be, I'll still watch it. Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, and you know, I wasn't like limiting my top ten to like one specific movie from an actor or anything like that. Um, obviously, Jeff Daniels was on there twice. But uh, I just felt like Ace Ventura and the Mask, while we're good, just didn't quite chop my crap my crap. Didn't quite crack my top ten, if I could speak clearly. Um, but Dumb and Dumber definitely does, and it's my number two. So that leaves what? Um, if you're paying, if you're playing along, and you know the movies from 1994, you can probably figure this out. Uh, but uh, this movie was a Sony movie. Came out uh, September 23rd. Uh, made seven point two million dollars opening weekend, twenty eight point seven domestic, a um, little bit more than that worldwide. It wasn't didn't have a big release worldwide. Yeah, it didn't wasn't this movie wasn't a success necessarily at the box office, uh, but it's got a ninety percent Rotten Tomato, eighty Metacritic, nine point three in IMDb. I I want to say it it might be the top top all time on IMDb, although it f- frequently flip flops with The Godfather. Um, I don't know what's number one right now. Or maybe even The Godfather. I feel like The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, and Shawshank Redemption are always jumping around. I just gave away with the movie. Shawshank Redemption got an A cinema score. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people forget that this was Stephen King. A Stephen King, you know, uh, uh, per, uh, well, a Stephen King, um, you know, uh, short story? Or was it a full story? I forget. But obviously, it's a Stephen. King, I mean, people know that now. But given at the time, you know, when Stephen King movies came out, they were always horror movies or whatever, and people kind of related him to that. And Shawshank Redemption was not a horror movie, so when people were like, "Wait, this was a Stephen King story," people were always like, "Wow, really? Okay, hmm, that's interesting." And yeah, it's one of those things. Like, if you don't know, if you if you were just going based off of like Carrie and The Shining and and Cujo and 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 Pet Cemetery and stuff, you wouldn't think like, "Wait." The Shawshank Redemption was Stephen King, but it is, and it's a great movie. And a lot of people criticize that it should. A lot of people criticize Forrest Gump because they feel like Shawshank should have won or Pulp Fiction should have won. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's one of those movies I didn't see initially. I mean, obviously, didn't do well, so it didn't have the huge hype. I just remember, remember coming out, remember Tim Robbins and you know Morgan Freeman and. And I was like, yeah, whatever, that movie seems kind of blah. Then later on, I saw it, and I'm like, wow, this movie was really, really good. It's a great movie. 
And uh, it's my number one for 94. Is it my number one of all time? No. But it's my number one of 94. Now, going back to the Oscars of that year, um, it was nominated, along with Forrest Gump, which won, uh, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and then Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I've never seen Four Weddings and a Funeral, so I can't really say anything about that. I've seen the other four. Um, I would say Shawshank should win. Um, I would probably put Forrest Gump up over Pulp Fiction and then Quiz Show fourth and then Four Weddings and Funeral. I haven't seen it, so I can't really say too much about it. And then Morgan Freeman, interestingly enough, was nominated for Best Actor, which, you know... It's kind of weird because, like, you is he a is he the actor or is he a supporting actor? It's like is Tim Robbins. Like, it's kind of weird because, like, you don't. It, it's weird that he got nominated for best actor and not supporting actor. But it's like you go back and watch the movie, and it's like, hmm, maybe that makes sense. Even though, like, the story is more set around Tim Robbins' character, uh, Andy Dufresne. Uh, Red's the one kind of telling the story and you kind of follow his story like a bit more because like once once spoiler alert for 26 year old movie but spoiler alert once you know Tim Robbins Andy Dufresne leaves the uh, jail you follow Morgan Freeman until he finds you know Andy Dufresne you you don't follow Tim Robbins you don't know how Tim Robbins got to where he got I mean or Andy Dufresne's character got to where he got so, even though, like, the general arc of the story is about that character, you kind of follow along through, you know, Morgan Freeman, the red character, but, yeah, it is what it is, I guess, uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, it's funny that he got nominated, but regardless, Tom Hanks was probably winning that regardless of anything else, but, um, yeah, it's, it's weird, you know, but Tim Robbins didn't get nominated, Susan Sarandon did for the client, but that's another, it's not here or there. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so that's my number one for 1994. It's, it's, it's Shawshank Redemption. It's a great movie. If you've never seen it, you should definitely check it out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's weird given what, you know, and granted there's been plenty of stuff from Stephen King that's come since then that's maybe more in line with Shawshank Redemption. But at the time, you know, you think about what had come out from Stephen King and a lot of it was very, you know, horror driven. And so to think that this Shawshank Redemption, which is not horror-driven at all, I mean, it's it's got some creepy elements to it, surely, and some uncomfortable stuff, and, you know, not made, you know, not very suitable for younger audience stuff, for sure, as a lot of Stephen King stuff does, but it wasn't horror, it wasn't sci-fi or horror or whatever you'd put um, Stephen King stuff in normally, it was uh, kind of different, but um, anyways, there we go, so just recap real quick. Uh, if you want to go 11, I didn't, sort of by accident, did 11. It was Natural Born Killers, but top 10 was Blown Away, Clear and Present Danger, Clerks, The Crow, True Lies, Pulp Fiction, Speed, Forrest Gump, Dumb and Dumber, and Shawshank Redemption. It was a great year for movies, i got to be honest. That's a, that's a great, great set of movies right there. Um, my dogs are barking, which probably means it's time for me to sign off. But I just want to thank everyone for listening. 1994 is in the books. Uh, we'll... You, you should still be following along on the One Man Renegade Podcast YouTube channel. we still got some couple more weeks of 1994, I think, before we jump into 95 and do kind of the same thing, open up some baseball, football, basketball, hockey stuff, and talk about sports from that year. And I don't know what I'll do for 95 for this. Um, I mean, movies is pretty easy to do. TV is tougher to do because it's like, will you 
if you do a year specific year for TV, do you have to specifically pick that season for that show? Um, I don't know. Maybe you do. So maybe I could do that. Maybe I'll do like albums or best songs or something from that, that year or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to do movies for all these years, but I feel like I should definitely do a podcast to coincide with the YouTube channel. But I don't know what I'll do for 95. So it's up in the air, but it's not going to be for a few few weeks anyways. But I uh, just want to thank everyone for listening. Obviously, go check out the YouTube channel, uh, One Man Renegade Podcast. Subscribe, like, share, watch all the videos, everything. Also, check out the blog at razorvader.blogspot.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast or Stitcher. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at uh, One Man Renegade. Also, One Man Renegade on Instagram. Uh, there's also a One Man Renegade podcast uh, Facebook page. Go over and like that and talk to me over there. Um, and I guess that's going to do it. So I want to thank everyone for uh, listening. Again, stay safe out there. I know a lot of states and cities and everything are else kind of relaxing the stay-at-home stuff and kind of the everything, but everyone should still be social distancing and wearing your masks and being safe and washing your hands and just being very safe and uh, smart. Being safe and smart. Don't do those those idiots and the Ozarks were doing. Although, good show. Go watch Ozark on Netflix, but don't do what the Ozark people were doing um, or any other morons that are having these big gal the gavelant. Uh, um, you know, parties and stuff and not social distancing and not practicing all the the safety measures to keep the virus from spreading because it is still a thing. It's still happening. People are still getting sick and whatever. It, you know, slowed down some degree, but you don't want it to spike back up. So be safe out there. Have a great weekend, month. I don't know what, whatever. I don't even know what I'm posting this, uh, but have a great every, have a great every day. Have a great every day and be safe. And thank you for listening. And uh, hmm, I'm trying to think what I should put on right now for some songage. Airheads had a good soundtrack, but that wasn't my top ten. Obviously, The Crow had a great soundtrack. Maybe, or maybe some Forrest Gump, although none of those songs were specifically from 94. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but you're going to find out right now. Thanks for listening, and bye. You